Welcome to episode 43 of In The Saddle podcast. I'm joined again by Paul Callahan and Lucky Loaders. How's it going, guys? Yeah, not bad. All is good. All is good, yeah. Just before we start recording this, I was just asking Paul why a, a cupboard is called a press, and Paul made it nice and clear for me. I'm still oblivious to what's going on here. But anyways, let, let's get back onto the race in front, right? Um, great day, or great weekend, um, Champions Day in the betting front from used to Adayeb ten to one, Glenn Shields sixteen to one, absolutely smashed it. Um, what we're going to do first, we're going to have a quick sort of conversation about or review on Champions Day and what we thought. Um, we'll maybe start with Stradivarius. What, what do you make of that run? Um, do you think it was just a hard season? What, what do you make? What do you make of that, Chris? Um, yeah, I think it was a little bit of a hard season. They, there was um, quotes after the race about John Gosden coming out and saying, well. The ground ultimately beat him, and it it wasn't. Um, they weren't able to get through it like they were at uh, at uh, Ascot earlier in the season when it was Royal Ascot. So that was kind of the excuse he was giving. He didn't really say anything about having a hard race. He he just said the ground was to blame. But yeah, I think you could just tell really he's had a hard season, and to only have a grueling arc race a couple of weeks ago, I think it just took the edge off him. And we've seen in the past as well that. At that particular meeting, he'd only won the race once from three attempts. So, I think he does feel the effects of a hard season towards the end of the campaign. So, yeah, I think um, Stradivarius. I think you can forgive him the run, and apparently he's going to be in uh, training again next season. And I think he, uh, I think we'll see uh, see him back to his best next year. I think you could probably draw a line under that run, and we'll see him back next season, back to his old winning ways. Well, what about yourself, Paul? What did you think of Stradivarius? Yeah, it's not the same. We kind of forecast it going into the, the weekend. Like he's he's had a hard like he's danced every dance pretty much if you go back through his form to, to the summer of 2018. And he's been to the top table so many times and inevitably I know the ground didn't help, you know, if you can't run, you know, if you can't act on it, you can't act on it. But inevitably I do think the hard them hard races, they, they ultimately it's the same with national on horses, they ultimately leave leave the mark. And I think that's just we, you know, we said it going into Saturday, um, you know, we had quite a quite a hard season. And you take into account as well, I know, you know, you're travelling, like the travel over to, to and from France and what have you, like that would have left a, a mark to some degree. You know, you know yourself if you're travelling and, and maybe had to get off the plane and play, play a football match a couple of hours later after playing so many matches maybe before that weekend, it ultimately takes its toll. And I thought he lost, he owes nothing to nobody. Like at the end of the day, he beat one home, but... I would just be like yourselves. I would just draw a line through it, and he's been a, an incredible horse. Yeah, he was beaten, beaten. He's probably one of the first being beaten far out. And yeah. obviously, Palace Pier got turned over as well, and obviously, Logician a few weeks ago as well. So maybe John Gosling's stringer sort of coming to the end of the tether this season and just got to draw a line under it. Um, one thing I will ask is, uh, Adayib, never in doubt, Paul. Absolutely not. <laughs> the only the concern that I had, before, but it didn't. I suppose the ground played into a part. The concern I had from stall eleven was maybe if Tom, if maybe four or five went forward, where Tom or Quan, where how he plays cards from there. You know, because he wasn't. He's a horse that likes to go forward, and you know he'd be to hold a position maybe in in the first three or four. He'd be forced wide, but he never had that problem. Like the horse, they didn't go much of a gallop, which inevitably played into his hands. He got a lovely position, and. Um, yeah, it was just a captain. Well, it was the start of an incredible day for Tom. Um, we took the took the finale on on the Jess Garrington train yard as well. So, 
yeah, he was. I thought Adeb was was just top class. And again, you know, when you, when you look like he's been to Australia and having, I think that could be the the plan again. But I'd probably the horse deserved it. Like I think, I think Tom is as well. Like every jockey, you know, works hard. But Tom's been been fantastic both in and, and out of the saddle. You know, his handling with the, with the press and what have has been fantastic. But I think the horse it was it was ultimately what the, what the horse deserved. Obviously, losing the, the right in English King in the Derby, and um, he definitely came back in the right way, uh, winning winning the Ledger, and obviously winning on Adeyeb. Um, I think this horse could improve again and be a real force next season. Um, Chris Loder, Glenn Shield, were you nervous? Nervous near the finishing line? I thought he, at one point he was probably. I think he would. I always thought he was going to finish in the frame, but I thought maybe he might just get denied. Uh, your old favourite, uh, Brando, nearly uh, spoiled the party. But he's just been such a game horse this season, um, especially over the sprint trips. It was a great move by Archie Watson. When he first came over last season, he'd been running up to 10 furlongs. And the his style of running by just going up there, the pace, setting the fractions, he's just such a game, admirable horse. And it's what you like to see in racing, you know. He, yes, he might not be a flashy type, but... He showed real courage to uh, get up on the line, and I thought Holly judged the race um, to perfection. You know, and it, like we were just saying with Tom Marquand, you know, she had a standout day, landing her first Group One, one on Trushan as well earlier in the day. So yeah, it, they've been a great both of them uh, as a couple for racing, and they've really done well as well, especially in the last few days, um, getting the the getting in the headlines for the right reasons and promoting the sport of racing. So yeah, it's it's been great all round really, and it was a really good um day on Champions Day. Yeah, it was it was quite ironic. It was Brando that nearly nearly done you. Um, if he did win, I think he'd be sending me a crate of Don Perignon. Um, I'm still waiting on that pint for the match bet. Brad Brad the Greeks the other week as well. Do you, do you have any Scottish DNA in you? Not not paint, not getting around then, Chris. Um, Saxon to the bone. Well, listen, I'll send you my address. You know where I live. I'll bottle them. Don Perignon will be ideal. But listen, guys, that's, that's uh, last week's review. It was a great week. Um, lots of good feedback. Lots of winners. Can't complain. Moving on to this week, we're going to preview. We're going to start on Friday. Cheltenham. Thank God it's back, right? We'll start with Paul, okay? Three o'clock, two farmers, Chris Handicap Hurdle, two mile five. What do we like here? I think a bit of a price. I do like the the Fergalow Brian train runner by Imperial Elysian. Elysian was um was torn, was well held, had made a bad mistake at the last rank under Paddy Brennan at Perton class in a class two hurdle back in August. Was kept wasn't kept overly busy, I suppose, just having a, a 13 start on Friday. But you could argue he was high enough in the handicap, but running off the mark of 128, but has been given a nice break since the, that run at Perth back towards the end of August. And I just think with a bit of a, a price, Imperial Elysian would, would be, I think, would be running on towards the, the, the business end of things. I think Hijack is interesting also at the, the top of the market. was a good second behind Colooney on his last start at Fontwell on the 3rd of October. He also followed McFabulous home two starts back. Obviously, he's franked that form since. That was back in February at Market Raisin. Was well beaten, however, in third, but... That Fontwell run when last seen finishing second behind Colooney should should have him, have him fairly straight for Friday. But it's Imperial Elysian at a bit of an each-way price for me. He's currently a 12-1 to shot at the moment. Um, obviously, Paddy Brown on board, one of my favourite jockeys. I think he's massively underrated. 12-1 um, to 1 for Paul Callahan And Lucky Loaders, what do we like here? 
Yeah, I thought this was quite a tricky race. There's a lot of unexposed types in here and some really interesting candidates. But the one I've come down on does owe me a, a favour, and that's the bestie man for Susie Smith and Miel Nolan. Now, um, the bestie man, you might remember him earlier on uh, in the year. He uh, was um, the subject of a bit of a gamble in the Lanzarote hurdle, and uh, he was a couple of lengths clear at the last when... He unshipped um, Mihal Nolan that day, and it would have been a great uh, story because Susie Smith she doesn't have too many horses, small trainer, and it would have been great for her to have a, a really big Saturday winner. And this horse, the best man, if you actually look through a lot of his form from last season, he actually ran quite well, but he, I think he was running over a trip that probably didn't ideally suit him a few times last season. He tackled three miles um, at Cheltenham and at Newbury, and he ran respectably, but I think over two and a half, which this trip is. I think this is more his gravy. He's had um, a seasonal uh, reappearance run at Utoxa. You can put a line through that. It was obviously just a, a prep run to get him fit. And I think um, over this uh, kind of trip, he's got uh, unfinished business. And I've seen 20, 25 to 1 in the place um, earlier in the day. And I just think off a mark of 122, he still might have a few pounds up his sleeve. So, yeah, in a wide open race, I thought the bestie man could be interesting if he... Uh, makes the final field. Yeah, it's currently 24 in the weights at the moment, all running off a mark of 122. This one's available, the best man at 25 to 1. Chris Loder, Paul Callahan, likes Imperial Eliza at 12 to 1. Moving on to the 335 Cheltenham October Handicap Chase. We'll start with Chris Loder. What are we on here? Yeah, this is quite a, again, another tricky race. Quite a lot of improving types. I'll be quite excited to see how On the Slopes gets on for Chris Gordon, one of my local trainers. Always keep an eye out on his runners. I think he's really underestimated as a trainer. And this horse uh, was very progressive for him last season. Won um, a few nice handicap chases at the likes of uh, Kempton. And also as well had a strong run at Cheltenham on Cheltenham Festival Trials um, Day back in January. So... It's a course that he's uh, run well at in the past, and I think he might still have a little bit more to offer, but I just wondered if he might lack uh, for race fitness, and I would like to take him on um, with Beat the Judge for Gary Moore. I think this horse, since he's uh, gone over a fence, he's really improved, and he he has shown a good level of form throughout the summer. Now, I'm not normally keen back in horses that have been running through the summer, as we approach the autumn, I, I sometimes feel that they kind of fizzle out and the, the winter horses come to the fore and put a class edge over. But Beat the Judge, to be fair to him, has run well in the in the winter in the past, so I don't think that's necessarily a negative. Um, ran okay here at the Cheltenham Festival, finishing um, eighth place in the county hurdles, so we know he can um, perform okay at the track. And I just thought his win last time at Fontwell was really impressive. He uh, beat Ballywood of Alan King, who's had some good form in the past in some decent handicaps. And I just think um, even though he has been raised to a mark of 142, he has a maybe a little bit more potential to come. So I just thought beat the judge. I think um, I think we still haven't got to the bottom of him yet, and I'd be quite keen on his chances. Yeah, I can see your anger there. I mean, it does look slightly progress. I think 142 is quite high in the weights. Um, I think we'd have to prove again to take this. Best price available is currently 6-1. to one. Um, What about you, Paul? What do you like in this race? On the slopes, I think, as Chris mentioned, he's certainly interesting in his bid for, for a hat-trick. The heart would say Rouge Vif. Um, I really fancy Rouge Vif going into the, the festival. 
coming into the article was well held behind he was third but I think Rui Fick was, was kind of you know he was beaten a long way out like he was well held by, by putting the kettle on um, looking at the race the heart the head says getaway Trump was a good winner at Warwick when last he won quite cosily and then running off a mark of 147 and if you look back to the open meeting last year at Cheltenham finished third of four and had Rouge Viff two lengths behind him finishing last in the four now I think only eight and a half lengths covered the the four on that occasion that again was won by Put the Kettle on but Aldanzo was, was a beaten favourite in second so with the benefit of having two runs this season it's getaway Trump for me yeah, what did you make of that that run getting turned over? I think he was, was he not heavily odds on? Freeze on, got beaten by, is it Golo? Gallo? Is it Jimmy? Gallo, yeah, Jamie Stones. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, he didn't hit, he was well beaten in the end. Um, and looking at us, I, you know, if horses beaten staying on, if they hit the line quite strong, it's always a positive sign. He didn't, he got, he got, actually got chinned in the end for second place by Gateway to Europe. But, like he left that run behind. He justified favouritism then when on his last run he beat Zoffy and he was quite a comfortable winner. That was at the beginning of this month. And I think if he can back up that run, um, I think he'll be there or thereabouts. Like I'd like Rouge Viff. I could see Rouge Viff running well, but possibly blowing up at the, the bottom of the hill or the, you know, getting so far and running well but just needing the run. Yeah. One five six is quite quite high for Rouge Viff as well. And you can imagine Daryl Jacob would be holding on to him. Um just saying getaway Trump there, that was the first one after wind surgery, so it might just have blown away the cobwebs and obviously shown the true form next time out. So, beat the judge for Mr. Loader, sixes on the slopes, five to one for Paul Callahan. Moving on to Saturday's action, still at Cheltenham, we're looking at Pretemps Network Handicap Hurdle, 3.15, going as good over two miles seven. We'll start with Paul Callahan in this minefield. Good luck. Yeah, look, this is absolutely, yeah, it is a minefield. You have to be fair, who racked up a couple of victories. It's been an unbelievable servant for connections for De- Deborah Hamer. Do you know, you're looking at Neville's cross there for Tom Lacey in a, in a hat-trick bid. There's a horse of Dan Skelton's in the Noel Feely Racing Syndicate. I'd better go now. He's just running off a mark of 125. You'd imagine, I can see running well, but just falling just below standard here. Honest Vic, Henry Daly's horses have been in decent form without winning. Henry's horses generally come on for the, the run. I, you look at Copperhead, you'd imagine this could be a, a stepping stone to, to things later on in the season. I do like Flink here for, for Philip Hobbs. He's had a pretty quiet start to the season, I think. Was a good tour, does have the benefit of a run. Was a good tour that checks up on his seasonal reappearance. Beaten favour towards the back end of last season. But was a good winner at Haydock and Warwick respectively prior to that. And I think with the benefit of having a run this season, was a good third at Chep. So I think the, the mark has probably got this accordingly. I think Flink for me, for Philip Hobbs. Flint is currently 10 to 1, best price available. Um, interesting with Copperhead. I mean, looks very, very progressive um, until that fall behind Champ. And obviously, we know how that race petered it out. Um, absolute mayhem on the bet for exchange and running. It's nearly as bad as uh, Tottenham at the weekend, but we won't go there. Anyway, Chris Loder, what do we like here? Um, yeah, again, another very competitive handicap. And I think Cobhead, I think this will be a prep run before an attempt at the Labricks Trophy at Newbury um, in November. So it be interesting to see how he performs. Um, but the one I've come down on, and I think it's quite an interesting, he does have a couple of entries in the week, but if he did turn up here, I think he would be a really interesting 
uh, player, and that's Champagne Court for Jeremy Scott, who's a trainer. Again, like I was talking about Chris Gordon, that slightly goes under the radar sometimes, and he does have a few nice horses at his disposal. And this horse, Champagne Court, I think he's got a little bit of untapped potential still over hurdles. We saw him run a few times last season over fences, and he was really progressive on his first couple of starts, winning at Sandown and at Plumpton. I really fancied him to, to run well at one point in the in the novices' uh, handicap chase, um, where he finished in a respectable um, eighth place. Now, um, if we go back to some of his hurdle form, um, he's got some 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 nice form in the bag. He finished fourth uh, here in the Martin Pipe at the twenty nineteen Cheltenham Festival, so that that's a nice run there. And also as well, he finished second last year on his seasonal reappearance uh, in the Silver Trophy at um, Chepstow, which is. Um, run at the Persian War meeting and that form actually looks really nice with um, Imperial Aura who went on to win that Novices Handicap Chase which is no longer going to be with us um, moving towards the festival Indefatigable was a winner at the Cheltenham Festival she came out of that race and you had Bally Andy as well who was uh, at one point possibly an outsider for the champion hurdle so he does have some good form over hurdles his chase rating is 141 and his hurdle rating is 134 and if he can run near to to his chase mark you'd think he might have a few pounds in hand off um his hurdle rate and so yeah champagne court i think he's got some interest in back class and he can go well fresh and uh, i think he's an interesting runner if he did turn up it's currently 16 to 1 best place available just touching on the novice handicap chase at Cheltenham, which was won by imperial aura tried to make the run in that day and um, just made a slight mistake and then got bumped two out and then that, that was him beat um, but did run a respectful race and uh, still runs well fresh and 16 to 1 is a decent price if, I think if he lines up will be shorter as well so Champagne Court 16 to 1 for Chris Lodar and Paul Callahan is on flank best place available 10 to 1 and uh, moving on to the 350 looking at the betting exchange handicap chase over three miles what do you like here, Chris? Again, another competitive race. Uh, one of the feature races of the weekend. The Heart wants to back Frodon or Kogri. They've done me some favours at Cheltenham over the years. I think Kogri now might just be getting a little bit on, on on the old side now, being 11 years old. But Nigel Twiston-Davis, to be fair, does normally very well at this meeting. He's, um, you normally want to catch his horses in the autumn and uh, Frodon running in the handicap and over three miles as well off a mark of 164 might I think it might just be a little bit of an ask at his favourite track he obviously won the Cotswold chase over um, a similar distance uh, back in uh, 2019 but for me I, I just think it would be a big ask for him to uh, defy top weight even though he is more than capable on his very best form but the one that I thought He's a horse that I feel like a lot of people can fall into a trap with, and I think I've t fallen into that trap this time, is uh, Cobra de May for, for Dan Skelton. Now, he, on some of his early form, is very well handicapped. He's a, pre a proven uh, course winner. He won back uh, at the course uh, at the spring meeting um, back in 2019 off a mark of 142. And ever since then, I think he's just suffered for going up in the weights a little bit. And um, he ran some promising races last year, including um, a sixth-place finish in the Ultimate Handicap Chase, where he actually did run on quite strongly that day. He's now back down 
uh, to a mark of 140, which is two pound below his last winning mark. He wouldn't want the ground too testing. So if the rain does stay away, there is some rain forecast this week. If the rain did stay away, I think Cobra de May, if, if he did um, turn up, I think under a low weight, he could run a big race. I think the stable is very difficult to read um, in and out all season. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of that that last run, if I'm being honest with you, Chris. His best price available, 20 to 1. Um, he's, mm, I think we have to agree to disagree on this one, Chris. But this doesn't happen very often. Um, I don't want to have a match bet with you, right? Because I don't want you to get too far behind, okay? Anyway, Paul, what do you like here? I like, I think Froden. I think he's running off a, a mark of 164. The next is 150, which is walk in the middle. You know, entry's going to be his long-term target. But Froden, like, he's running off 164. He's won off 168. My only concern there would be, you'd imagine, Kobe, there's going to be plenty of competition at the front of the field. And my only fear would be if he just got into a battle in the first half mile or so. You'd be hoping he'll, he'll you know, he's ran plenty of times. Brioni Frost on board, obviously knows the horse you know, like the, the back of our hand, inside out. He's, you'd imagine if they are going hard up front that he can just slot in toward fourth, fifth, and it won't bother him mentally. Like some horses that like to be at the front, once they get headed, they, they kind of, they can lose interest. Um, Fortescue is interesting, you know, running off the mark of a 129. The, Henry Daly's horses generally do improve for the run first time out, but he is, he's related to a horse I actually rode in the, the Renaissance finished behind, was well beaten now on the day, wasn't actually turned out, wasn't right, but he was quite decent in his day, a horse called Inaccord. The Renaissance was won by Gungadu. So Fortescue on his, do you know, there'll be plenty of, there's not huge miles on the clock, so there's plenty of, of potential, I'd imagine, still in the locker. But he could be one maybe as a, a longer term project as the season progresses. But I just think Froden, you know, he's, he's the highest rated horse in the field for a reason and, and I think he has won off a, a mark of 168 on a, a number of occasions in the past so I think 164 off a mark of 164 I think it is well within Brody's grasp Yeah I mean if you look at the race ran in last time as well I mean they were against top top animals at Min 1 at the Cheltenham Festival um, and this is probably a step down in class for me um, and you know exactly what you're going to get from Frodon straight to the front up in the fences and does find as a game sort Best price available is currently seven to one, which I mean I think's a fair each way bet. If Paul Nichols can get them ready. So Pogpan likes Frodon seven to one and Chris Loder likes Cobra Demai. Best price available twenty to one. Moving on to we're gonna have a look at Doncaster. Um back on the flat, two fifty-five, the Vertim Furities trophy stakes over a mile. We'll start with Lucky Loaders. What do we like here? Uh, this is a group one I normally like, and uh, it normally sets up quite well, I always think, for um for the 2,000 guineas. Been won uh, in the past by the likes of Magna Grisha, Cameco, uh, and uh, Saxon Warrior. So it's thrown up the last, the last three renewals have thrown up the 2,000 guineas winner. So it's always a really important trial, I think, for next year. Um, and Aino Bryan's had a fantastic record at, um, in the race in uh, recent years and i think um wembley is a is a very boring but solid option i think um his the, the way he ran last time even though he has had quite a few starts i think suggested that i think he will definitely step up um uh, gun by stepping up and trip i think he will really um take his form to the next level i think uh he ran 
a bit of he wasn't in the right position um in that Dewhurst stakes. He was on the on the far side of the track. He wanted to be towards the stand side rail. Um I interrupt you there just for a second because because that that race um actually worked out quite well for you, didn't it? Yeah, actually back to the winner, St. Mark's Basilica. So uh, yeah. I'm 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 hoping the form um obviously gets boosted there. Um, but I think the Dewhurst was one of the most, um, it was one of the strongest uh, juvenile races we've seen this season. And I just like the way Wembley um, really stayed on at the end. And I just think going up and trips definitely going to help him. He's bred for, to get further. I think he is probably, even though we have seen him quite a few times this season, is a horse still for next year. Um, and I think going up and trip to Amar, I just think it will bring out the best in him. And I think he brings some of the best form to the table. And uh, I think he's the one they've all got to beat. He's definitely going to appreciate the step up and trip. Um, would you be concerned about any jockey bookings here? Or would you still back him regardless? I, I'll probably back him regardless, to be honest. I think I think Ryan will probably um, keep the ride. He was on, on him in the Dewhurst, you know. Um, obviously, it's been quite interesting this season. Will Buick, Tom Marquand, Frankie Tory, you know, they've all had a, had a go. Um and it depends how many as well he sends over here. But um, I, I think on form and with more potential to come, I think um, I think Wembley fits the bill for me. It's currently 3-1 to one best race available. Um, what is Paul Callahan like in this one? I like, I think Labrador is going to be very hard to beat. It's 2 from 2. was a good winner at Newmarket. If I loop the Vega, you'd imagine the ground is, is going to bring out a little bit more improvement. But one that could be a little bit of a price, and, and is, you know, his horses generally come on, but with each run is King Vega, was beaten, finished second on debut at Sandown, was sent off 15 days on that occasion. So it was generally, he was obviously doing something right at home. Andrew Balling's horses do generally come on for the run was second then at Sandown when last seen. I think to step up and trip, he's also by Luke, Luke de Vega. So you'd imagine it, you know, the grounds, you know, if there's a bit of juice in the ground, will will bring out a little bit more improvements. And the horse that beat him on his last start at Sandown, a Tony and ran and you know, was well held, but was thought capable enough to, to run in the Dewhurst. So I think just on his tour start, I think King Vega is, is certainly interesting for Andrew Balding and Oshie Murphy. This is a horse that me and Chris have brought up in the past. Um, there was a few upset people on social media, primarily keyboard warriors, um, and he was beaten on debut um, behind you bar with the right from Rob Hornby. Um, but yeah, I can understand uh, why why you like him, Paul, with Fatonian as well. I mean that form that form looks looks solid. Um, he's currently best price available, eleven to one at the moment. So Paul Callahan likes King Vega at eleven to one. It's cracking each way bit, and Chris Loder is on on the favourite at Wem Wembley at three to one. Moving on to, I'm just going to pop over here. Uh, moving on to Newbury. Um, we're going to look at the Horace Hill Stakes Group 3. Um, I know Chris Loder likes a short one here, but we'll start with Paul Callahan. okay? What do you like here? I'm not doing much better now. I like, the, I like lane crash. I think it's priced accordingly here for Roger Varian and Jim Crowley. Like Lane Crash justified favouritism when making it a winning race course debut at Ascot back on the, the 8th of August. Backed that up by finishing a good second. It was only beaten ahead by the Ralph Beckett train, New Mandate, in the listed Flying Scotsman stakes at Doncaster in September. 
Newmanded then went on to win the Group Two Royal Lodge Stakes at Newmarket on his on his next start and had Cove about two lengths behind him in third. Probably not a whole pile separating Cove and, and Lane Crash here, but um, yeah, on that run behind Newmanded, if he takes another step forward, he takes the beating here. The ground is, if you know, if you'd imagine, you know, it's giving good to socks officially at the minute. It's ground that's been raced on most of the season. You're coming to the back end now. That would be a slight. That would be a question mark. You know, he's ran on. He's, he's won on debut on good to firm. His run at Doncaster was on good ground. So you'd imagine at Newbury on Saturday, take a bit of getting, but I think he definitely has a solid form in the book on, on that form, on all known forms. It's lane crash for me. Yeah, he's currently at a 7 to 4 chance at the moment. Um, it's interesting that Colby is actually declared, well, not declared, is in for the futurity stakes as well. So, I mean, you'd imagine if, if he was to come out, I mean, that 7 to 4 is going to get swallowed up straight away, isn't it? Yeah, he'd be odds on, wouldn't he, if he if Cove bypasses Newbury? Yeah. What's your thoughts here, Chris, on the favourite? Yeah, I, I would echo with what Paul said there. Um, that form at Doncaster couldn't have worked out any better. One ruler came out and uh, won on his next start, winning the Group 3 Autumn Stakes. Also, as well, you had Apollo uh, 1 in there um, as well, come out and win. So, and also, as well, Thank You Next ran a good race on her next start um, in a group contest. So the form of that uh, listed race, it was probably really in a, at least a group two or a group three, you could argue, instead of being a listed race on the form of it anyway. Um, so I just think it, his form makes him the one to beat. Um, the only slight concern I would have is Roger Verin, stable actually. They haven't really been running to form. They've only got a 5% strike rate, which you normally wouldn't associate with that stable over the last couple of weeks and it's just i just wonder if it's related to the fact that they had some contaminated feed you might have read um in the racing media that he had to i think it was a couple of weeks ago withdraw a few of his horses um i don't know if that's any relation to why they've been maybe performing under par but on all no known form i think Lancash is a solid option and I'm sure it won't be long before uh, Roger's horses are back in form. So yeah, so for me, yeah, Langash I think sets the standard and um, is the one they've all got to beat. Um, got a feeling this could be someone's nap or maybe the duo's nap. Yeah. Um, best price available seven to four. Yeah, probably with Betfair at the moment, I think it'll be uh, snapping that up as we're doing this podcast. Anyway, moving on to our final race we're going to be previewing over the weekend or actually it's on sunday we're going to move entry the old and chase we'll start with lucky loaders um what do you like yeah yeah this is a, a great race really an indication that the jump season is well on its way and quite a few old favorites in here as well um itchy feet i think could be quite exciting for aiden coleman and ollie murphy However, I just wonder if he might need the run. And the one I've come down on is a horse who likes to go well fresh, and, and that's Creve Hill for um for Nigel Twiston Davis, who last season on his first couple of starts really did take his form to another level. Uh won a handicap easily at Weatherby, uh very comfortably, and then he stepped it up a gear by absolutely bolting up at Haydock. So obviously he does have to um he does have to take another step forward, but from some of his early season form last year, I just wonder if this could be the time to catch him. He's a horse that likes to go hard, get out in front. We know he's got the stamina as well to win over three. This is over two and a half um, miles. So 
I just think if he can get an uncontested lead and Sam Tristan Davis can get him into a good jumping rhythm, um, I think he could definitely um, maybe tear this uh, field apart. Um, but it is a very competitive race. But I just think Creve Hill, who showed quite a lot of improvement last season, and with Nigel Tristan Davis's team doing well at this time of year, I just think he might be able to run really well at a big price. And I'd be quite keen on his chances if he was declared. Only looking to one chance at the moment. Um, I agree with what you're saying about sort of the uncontested lead part. Uh, the ground won't be an issue either. I'm just sort of looking at his last one at Kempton as well. The Betway handicap Chase, Grave Green, and Gorst at Kildazar in that form got Franks as well. Festival, Black Corn. I mean, there could be some more improvement there. Um, best price available, 14 to 1. I think it'll be shorter on day. Um, what, do you, what do you like, Paul? At a bit of a price, I, I would agree the heart again. I'm a massive Itchy Feet fan. Like going into last year's festival, I I thought I thought Gavin Sheen had a number cracking book of rides going into the festival. Like Itchy Feet, he got as far as the sixth. I know he was towards the, the back of the fields on, on that occasion at the, the festival back in March. That was in the, the March novice chase. I'd agree with Chris, I could see him running well, but maybe just blowing up, just needing the run. Horse I like at the at the bottom at a bit of a price is, is Alan King's Ballywood. Now he'll need to step up. He's running off the mark of 144, was second off 145 when last seen. You know, was running off the mark of 147, but was a good was what was he sixth in the in the grand annual behind chosen mate. And on that run, you know, he's, he's with the benefit of his run at Bontwell, I could just see him running into a, a place there. So I think at a bit of a price, I like to, to do look. I do like the look of Ballywood, Alan King. It's currently a 14 to 1 chance at the moment. Both both the selections are actually owned by High Clare for a bread stud. Um, so hopefully we can see those colours in the winner's enclosure. Um, listen, guys, I'm going to ask you for the most important part of this podcast. What, what's the nap? We'll start with Paul first. Nap of the weekend. Oh, nap of the weekend, I would, I suppose to be boring, I'd have to say, well, I'm going to, Lane Crash, I think, the horse in the Horace Hill at Newbury on Saturday, I think Lane Crash wins. I think if he handles the ground, I think he wins, but I'm going to go for Froden. I think running off the mark of 164, he has won a couple of times off 168. I'd love to see Froden take the handicap chase at Cheltenham on Saturday. I would go for a double. Seven of four and five to one for Paul Callahan. Yeah, we could see a rule four now. I think if Cole comes out, yeah, yeah, have to win first. It'd be a nice problem to have all the same. Absolutely. Um, so Frodon, um, it was seven to one available of Hills at the moment, but I don't think that'll be there very much longer. And what about you, Chris? What's your nap? Uh, Wembley in the verse and futurity. I just think he'll definitely appreciate the step up in trip. Um, has the best form in the race, in my opinion. Um, with Aino Brian. Uh, with a tremendous record in the race in recent years, um, I think uh, Wembley uh, will take all the beating. So Wembley three to one for Lucky Loaders is not the Futurity Trophy Stakes, um, and obviously Paul Callahan likes Frodon, and both the boys are very, very, very keen on Lankwish. It was currently seven to four, which won't be there much longer. But listen, guys, thank, thanks for your time this afternoon. I know you're busy, Paul. You've got a lot of commitments. And obviously, Lucky Loaders got to be banging more of those winners and keep all the, the viewers happy. Um, and to the listeners as well, make sure you subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Podbeam. Thanks, guys. Hey.